was thinking today as we began 1 Timothy chapter 3, make something very clear. Chapter 2, I'm going to read it to you. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exert, exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Father. And I'm saying this on Canada Day for a specific purpose, and this isn't the sermon. But it's a lot easier to complain about our country than pray for our country. It's a lot easier to complain about government provincially or federally instead of praying for our government. And I think I've been guilty of that myself a lot. But I just wanted to read this scripture because I think Paul is exhorting Timothy and us through the Holy Spirit in scripture that we need to be praying for kings and all who are in authority. We need to be praying for our prime minister and not complaining about him. Amen? We don't need to read another article on Facebook of how bad things are. We know that. But we are called to be the light of the world. And I think we start that by praying for our government, for our country, we need to pray as Daniel prayed for forgiveness from God, not only for our government, but for ourselves included. Amen? And I don't think there's any better day than Canada Day. So maybe we can pray now, and as the Lord leads you, maybe that you would pray out for our country. Maybe two or three would pray. And that we would make a decision today to obey Scripture to pray for kings and government and all who are in authority, to pray for our military, to pray for the police, prepare for those who serve in rescue services, and to pray that our hearts would be turned back to Jesus. Amen? And maybe like you, like me, you like me this week, when the thought comes to complain, that we can pray. So let's do that now. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for this nation. Thank you for all the good things that you have blessed us with. Thank you for freedom to worship you. Lord, and we just want to cry out. We want to pray that you will bless our nation. We want to pray that you will turn us back to the truth of who you are and to the truth of your word. Lord, would you make us a light in Canada? May we be bright to the truth of who you are. May we love people. May we shine. There are so many people who are so needy and who are hurting and who are broken. So would you use us in this country to shine 
We do pray for our Prime Minister, Lord, that you would bless him, that he would have an experience with you, that he would come to know your love. Lord, would you speak to him? Pray for our provincial government as well, that they would turn and follow you, Jesus. We do ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your mercy. Would you forgive us as individuals? Would you forgive us as a country from turning away from your love? Lord Jesus, and now as we pray as a body, would you hear our prayers? Amen. Jesus, it's so good in the quiet to think of you and whether in our hearts or out loud, just ask for you to work. 
Lord, there's other needs in our midst today. Pray for Dean Hardy, Lord, that you would touch his body. Thank you for keeping him alive. And we'd ask, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen him. Lord, he's been through so much, Lord. Would you bring him through? I pray for the Hardy family, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Lord, would you bring good from all this difficulty? Pray for Mary Stewart today, Lord, that you'd continually work. Would you give her endurance and strength in the midst of the difficulty of cancer? And we pray that you would take it away, Jesus. Pray for Christian Miller today. You would heal his body. And for endurance for that family as well, Jesus. We pray for those who might come here this morning broken, relationships, emotionally hurting. God, would you speak to them and comfort them? Would you bless them? Lord, you know each of our hearts as we're here. You know the things that we're frustrated about. You know the things that we fear. You know the things that are taking our peace. And Lord, I pray that you would minister your goodness and your love and your grace. That you would minister in your righteousness to each one of us now as we pray. Do you pray for Caleb for safety in Africa? Pray for Andrew, that you give him favor and bless him in the Ukraine as he works for you. We pray for John and Rebecca back and right back into it, serving, teaching your word, that YWAM base. Just thinking of young people this morning as well, those looking for direction, that you would guide them. Lord, that you would lead them and that we would learn to trust you with all our heart, knowing that you will direct our path. Lord, we pray for our community that many, many would come to know you, that the love of Jesus, your truth, would ring forth through the power of your Holy Spirit, that people will repent of their way of thinking and turn to the truth of Jesus Christ. Use us, Lord. Give us boldness and help us to shine for your glory. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 12 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, Eric will pass one out. Just raise your hand. The words of Jesus. Working through the scripture, some thoughts, all the print in red is our series, lots to choose from, believing this is where the Lord led us to Luke chapter 12, verse 1. How many attended Sunday school when they were a kid? Raise your hand. Oh, that's a good amount. How many sang songs in Sunday school? Raise your hand. Some of you. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Now there's another one. There's a more modern one. 
that I didn't even know until I taught Sunday school and I heard my wife sing it. Anyone sang the song, I Just Want to Be a Sheep? Yeah? You want to join me this morning for a little fun? You can have fun in church, right? You want to do the actions? No? I just want to be a sheep. I just want to be a sheep. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord, my soul to keep. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Do you remember that part? I don't want to be a Pharisee. Why? I just want to be a sheep. Come on, this side, you are weak. I just want to be a sheep. Praise the Lord, my soul to keep. Be a sheep. Okay, let's go to the second verse. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Remember it? I don't want to be a Sadducee. Because they're so I just want to be a sheep. Okay. Good job, left side. You're right, my left. You guys fail, okay? <laughs> All right, now, that song... Is a lot of fun with the kids. They get their ears up, they have fun, they clap. But you know what? It's based on Scripture. And the words of Jesus are very important. And I want to note this to you this morning. When Jesus says, beware or watch out, what do you think you should do? You should, and he doesn't say it that much. Jesus loved lots of people and got very angry at few. But it's very clear in Scripture that he had no tolerance for the Pharisees or the Sadducees. So let me read that scripture in regards to that. Luke chapter 12 this morning. In the meantime, Luke 12, 1, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that not, will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you have spoken in the ear in the inner room will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now there's a lot in there, but I'm going to focus on the first two verses, especially the end of one and beginning of two. It's interesting to note that Jesus is not only speaking to his disciples, as it says in chapter 12, verse 1, but there was a multitude of people. In the Greek, if you read it and translate it, it means tens of thousands of people. This was a big crowd. It's hard for us to completely understand because we weren't there. But he wants to teach them, and he gathers his disciples, and he probably throws his voice so everyone can hear. He says, beware, beware. That word literally means be heeding continually, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven, we know, can be translated yeast. And the whole idea is you just need a little bit of yeast in your dough to make things rise, right? 
My wife, who does make bread and has done it for years, took a little break because our machine broke, but now it's fixed. She doesn't bake one loaf at a time. As you know with our family, when she used to make it when they were kids, it was ten loaves at a time. But when she did five, it was a batch of five, what she would do, she made it very clear as I asked her, three tablespoons of yeast for five loaves of bread. The idea is this little bacteria you're putting into the dough causes it to rise. So just a little bit is a big deal. And obviously if you put too much leaven in, it would expand and expand. And what Jesus is saying is, just a little bit, just a little bit of the doctrine and the thought of the Pharisees is trouble. And you need to beware, be continually heeding in your life hypocrisy or thinking like the Pharisees. You can almost see Jesus now yelling it out. Watch out! Be careful! You don't want this a part of your life. Hypocrisy, what is that? Definition, a pretense of having virtues and character and moral or religious beliefs, but you possess none of it. So really, I'm trying to look the part. I'm trying to be something I'm not. Externally, I want to be seen by people to be okay, but internally, I'm a mess. And Jesus says, listen, I don't want you to have any part of that. The Pharisees were always pushing external rules, and most of them were man-made. They were traditions, though some of them were rules from the Old Testament. They pushed them so hard and so, so inaccurately that they infuriated Jesus. When Jesus got angry in the temple, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes trying to make money off the sacrifices. John the Baptist, the same way, in the book of John, calls the Pharisees and Sadducees a brood of vipers. This is the greatest prophet to live. You bunch of snakes. That's what he says. You guys are a bunch of snakes. You are low. You are ugly. We don't want to have any part of you. And Jesus says to us, listen, a little goes a long way. Watch out. Watch out. Do you hear me? Watch out in your own life. In other words, it can be wearing a mask. Trying to put on a good face. When everyone's looking, trying to look religious. Trying to say the right things. And yet internally, you are far from what God has called you to be. Rules, legalism, pushing behavior rather than the heart of the matter. Jesus, can I tell you, hates that. He hates you acting in a way that truly you're not. He wants you to be who you are. And sometimes it's ugly. He doesn't want you to get your what we would call our religious standing by how many rules we can keep. 
The Pharisees were always after Jesus. They were always looking at others. Don't heal on the Sabbath. Don't pick the grain of wheat on the Sabbath. That's work. Along with the 300 other things, including spitting and rolling up dirt, was illegal. And if you did that, and you showed that, and that's what they taught the people, taught them they were nothing. Because they didn't obey all these traditions and man-made rules. And I think all of us would say, well, I'm not a Pharisee. But we beware, maybe you're not. But it quite easily can sneak into our spirit and just a little bit can cause a lot of problems. You need to be proactive. God is about grace and love and certainly about righteousness and obedience. But the obedience doesn't determine the love of God in your life. Amen? There's other things about the Pharisees that Jesus hated very much. Luke chapter 16, verse 14, makes it very clear that they were lovers of money. Follow along here, it says, Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, Luke chapter 16, verse 14, also heard of these things, and they derided him, and they said to him, You are those who justify yourselves before men. This is what Jesus said. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Do you ever think about that verse? That's some heavy-duty words of Jesus. You justify yourselves before men, but... God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men, listen to this, is an abomination to God. Unfortunately, we like to be seen by men. And I'm at the top of the list. We like to be congratulated. We like applause. And there's nothing wrong when we do something well that God would get the glory But, if your position in the Lord is determined by what other people think of you, that is not where God wants you to live. Anyone wore a mask before? Anyone tried to look a certain way? And now I will talk spiritually. So people will look at you a certain way. Have you ever looked for the applause of men by external action? But God makes it very clear. He knows our hearts. And we all need Him. (laughs) Amen? I think it's very interesting. The Law and the Prophets, verse 16, were until John... Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. What is he saying here? Yeah, the law was preached because we need a savior, but now it's time to press into the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Romans 14, righteousness. 
joy and peace, the love of Christ, the grace of God. That's what we're called to press into. Not whether you're doing every little thing correctly, friends. And sometimes we don't even mean it, but that little seed, that tiny seed of being a Pharisee slips into us and we look at others, but we don't look at them the way Jesus looks at them. Not only were they lovers of money and externally wanting to take advantage of the people, they were lovers of power. They wanted control. And when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Pharisees got furious and they said this, what's going to happen if the people follow him? This is what's said. What happens if the people follow him? We're going to lose our place and our nation. We're going to lose our power. We're going to lose our ability to rule. We're going to lose control. Oh my. A lot of times we look externally because we want control by elevating ourselves over others. And Jesus wants us to have no part of that. And so he makes it very clear, beware. Press into the kingdom of God. Press into the truth of Jesus Christ. Beware of legalism and external looks in terms of how you're behaving and press into the truth of His love and grace. Press into the truth of His righteousness which is in you when you become a believer of Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to be righteous. Can I tell you? You already are if Jesus lives in you and you practically are becoming like Him. But if it's all about how you're seen and what you're doing right, you've got a little bit of a seed of being a Pharisee. And I know, because it slips into my life all the time. Forget about you. I know it slips into my life. Jesus would rather hang out with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, rather with the spirit of religiosity. He wants to be with the sick and show them God's grace rather than the ones who are looking down on the broken. What is your heart this morning? Do you look down on the broken? Or do you see them as Jesus sees them? And his words are clear in Luke 12. Beware. Beware. Why would Jesus warn us <laughs> if it wasn't going to be a problem? Do you ever think of that? It's like the parent warning their child. Don't do that. Why does a parent warn a child not to do something? Because they know it's a danger. <laughs> Jesus is brilliant. He, he is God. He knows all things. And so when he says, beware, it's because he knows it's a danger for you and I, or he wouldn't have said it. Because he knows it can slip in. Even to the most godly person in this room, he knows. Be ye heeding the possibility of this in your life. And everything you say in private is going to be made public. Oh boy. Ever been a Pharisee in private? 
I'm pretty good not doing it in public. Jesus loves us so much. He warns us because he knows it can hurt us. Because listen to this. In the end, we know that we are the ones in our sin is why Jesus went to the cross. But literally in the Bible, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who led the crowd and brought him to the cross, brought him before Pilate, and they were excited to kill Jesus. I want to tell you something. If you are going to give heed to the doctrine of the Pharisees, hypocrisy in your life, you will slowly kill Jesus who lives in you. The same way. The same way. And Jesus loves us too much. And he warns us for our good. Beware of this doctrine of hypocrisy. I just want to share a few things and then we'll move on. But Matthew chapter 23. This is probably the most intense scolding that Jesus gave anyone in the Bible. I'm going to read sections for you and just listen to it. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes in Matthew chapter 23 and to his disciples in saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their work they do to be seen by men. They make their boards and enlarge their borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues. Greetings in the marketplaces and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Woe, verse 14, to the scribes and Pharisees, the hypocrites. For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice a son as hell as you yourselves. Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold of the temple that sancti- or that, that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things unto it. Woe to the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and ants and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Therefore, you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And it goes on, and it goes on. I'm not saying we're complete Pharisees at all like this, but I wanted to say, beware of just a little bit of leaven of that thinking in your life. But rather, press into the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus wasn't done with the Pharisees. And I just wanted to kind of pass this on to you as well. Matthew chapter 16 Verse 1, then the Pharisees and Sadducees came testing him, asking that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, when, the even, in the, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Verse 5, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Again, so when Jesus repeats something, you better pay attention. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have taken no bread? Then Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have bought no bread? Do you not understand or remember the five loaves or 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? nor the seven loaves or the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it, do you not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine or the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh, by the way, this isn't mentioned twice. Three, four. Jesus continually said this. But I just want to bring this into light. Not only was he worried about the Pharisees, he was worried about the Sadducees. Not was he only worried about legalism and outer appearance. 
But he's worried about the doctrine of the Sadducees as well. And I didn't know a lot about the Sadducees. I kind of knew a lot about the Pharisees, right? But what is the Sadducees? What makes them so sad in the song? The fair thing makes sense, right? Because the Pharisees are always about what you do and what you don't do and what's fair and what's not fair. As I began to look in Scripture about the Sadducees, there's one interesting section in Matthew 22 where he deliberately just talks to them. You see, in that time, the ruling religious party of the Sanhedrin was made up of both Sadducees and Pharisees. And the Pharisees were all about the law, but the Sadducees, they were a little different. Let's read Matthew twenty-two twenty-three. At the same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, I'm not going to read the whole story, but something's very curious. They don't believe in the resurrection of the dead in the end, meaning that there will be heaven or hell. They believe simply when you die, that's it. There was no more. There is no eternal life. Actually, the Sadducees believed in no spiritual realm whatsoever. They didn't believe in angels or demons or the resurrection of the dead or heaven or hell or anything. What they believed in simply was the written law of the Old Testament. The Pharisees added the oral interpretation, meaning the tradition where Jesus hated. Sadducees only believed in the first five books there, Genesis through Deuteronomy, but they didn't believe there was a supernatural realm, period. And so Jesus says, listen. I hate that doctrine. I would hate any teaching that takes away from the supernatural. From the reality that we are going to be resurrected to be with Jesus when he comes back. Amen? He would say, beware of any doctrine that tells you there's no angels or nor demons. And they ask him a silly question here. Well, if a man gets married and he has no children, you know, and like what happens? The... Well, I just better read it to make it sense. Teacher Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring, led his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, the third also, to the seventh. Like, when does that happen, right? Last of all, the woman died also. She had longevity of life, I guess, right? It's just a silly question because they're trying to trap him. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. And this is such a silly question because they don't even believe in the resurrection. They're just trying to trap him. Oh, yeah, well, like in heaven, who's going to be married to whom? Because you know what? She had seven husbands, so who's going to hang out when they're in heaven? Jesus, knowing it's silly, answered and said to them, You are mistaken. And note this. Not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Why does he say that to the Sadducees? Because they might know the scripture, but they don't know the supernatural power of God. So he says to them, You don't know. Right? For in the resurrection they neither marry or nor given in marriage, but are like the angels, why would he say angels? Because they don't believe in angels, of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, 
Have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Jesus makes it very clear. He says, listen, beware of any doctrine which would tell you there is no afterlife and there is no supernatural because you are then denying the power of God. Because he's going to come back, amen? And he's going to come get us and we're going to come be with him. And we're not just staying in the ground. And we're not going to be worried about who we're married to in heaven because we're going to be worshiping him. I know some of you might be shocked. Oh, I thought I was... Oh, don't worry, it'll work out. Right? There's a bigger point here because he's saying beware. And I'm just saying in my life there's been times where I'm more focused on the bread, the physical, and I miss the spiritual warning. Follow me. Here's how it goes. Jesus says beware of the leaven. Um... Do we have enough bread? Isn't that what the disciples said? What about the bread? Right? He wants bread. He's talking about leaven. Follow me. And so often we miss what Jesus is saying to us in the supernatural, in our spiritual life, because we're too focused on the material. And he's saying to us, watch out for the spiritual problem of being something you're not and looking like you're not and beware as well of trying to limit God and who he is and the truth of where we're going and that there is a supernatural realm and there's two camps right and he's saying watch out for either but rather you press into the kingdom of God and would you know today that your God isn't only the first five books of the Old Testament, but he's alive. And that is his word. And he continually speaks through his word and is alive today. Beware. Beware. Because you don't know the scripture, nor the power of God. I am. That's what he says. I am. I am alive. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I I wasn't just alive back then. I'm alive today. Sometimes I need to do little checks in my life. And God's word is so faithful to do that. And I guess that's all I wanted to do this morning. And ask you this very clearly. Is there any seed or yeast or leaven sneaking into your life of the doctrine of the Pharisees or the Sadducees? Beware and press, press into the kingdom of God. What do you want to be? Where do we start? 
Let me sheep. <laughs> right? I don't like sheep. They're stupid. Well, you are one. <laughs> what? What does the sheep do? It follows the what? Come on. What does the sheep do? What does it do? Follows the shepherd. And the shepherd takes it where? Psalm 23, green pastures. God is the perfect shepherd. Don't follow doctrine. Follow Jesus. Follow the doctrine of Jesus. Don't follow the doctrine of men or Pharisees or Sadducees. Okay, this is a great sermon can of the day. This is ripping apart churches all across our nation and all across the the world and it's time to wake up that jesus warned us because this stuff is sneaking into our lives this isn't just a nice little teaching this is the reality of what jesus is telling us he just wants you to be a sheep to trust him and follow him and love him because he has the best in mind for you. And you know what? Sometimes you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you don't stay there. You walk through. Amen? And he leads you to where you're supposed to go, right? And where you're not supposed to go is into legalism or how you look to other people or the approval of men or to, oh, God was good to me, but I don't know if he's alive. And I don't know if if there's a supernatural. Yeah, there is. He just wants you to be a sheep. You believe, listen, do you believe that he's a good shepherd? You believe in the warnings he gives? He's the perfect parent. Amen? So, Lord Jesus, this morning we give you praise for the good things you say and the hard things you say. Thank you for your warnings. And we would ask for your forgiveness. It's so easy. It is so easy to worry about what men will think. External things, power and money. It's so easy. But Lord, you ask us to press into the kingdom of God. To push into the truth of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And our absolute need for him and its forgiveness and his love. Lord, you've warned us. Truly, you are alive. May we believe that today. May we walk in that. May nothing steal our joy in the truth that we have a living God today. May we know the power of the scripture. And may we know the power of God this morning. Lord Jesus, I would pray that we would know you, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you, to know Jesus this morning, to know your heart, God. Would you give us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, a deeper ability to know you and what you stand for. And not what this world stands for, not what the religious stand for, but what you stand for. We pray for that. And Lord, we celebrate Jesus this morning on this day in the midst of 
little seeds that can fall into our life, we know that we're forgiven. And it's not about how well we do things or how much we have obeyed or not obeyed this week. It's about Jesus Christ and the work on the cross and the forgiveness that he has offered and that we have accepted that and that we are pure and clean because of Jesus. It's not about external things. It's about the internal reality of the forgiveness and the love of Jesus. And that's what we're going to celebrate right now. We have the opportunity to press in to remembering Jesus and his love. And this morning, if you don't know the love of Jesus, maybe you've never accepted the grace of God in your life. There is no other way to heaven but to simply believe and trust in him with your heart and to confess it with your mouth. To say, I know I'm a mess up, God, but I believe that you died and that you rose again and that you took my sin. I trust that and I believe that. And in that statement, in that belief, you are forgiven and you are free and you have a new heart. Praise God. You've done that this morning. I don't know everyone in this room, but I think most of you would have. Most of you believe. Most of you have faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe some of you need to turn to Him. You can do that in your heart this morning. As we take communion, it's for those who believe. If you believe in Jesus and you have faith in Him, you're welcome to the elements at the back. Crackers and juice, they represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So as Randy sings, you are more than welcome to get those and think on him and praise him and press into the kingdom of God, into his righteousness, which he's given to you, his joy and his peace, which he has for you, his forgiveness. So as Randy sings, think of that, worship him and praise him. And come back to your seat and we'll all partake together and worship this amazing God. Let's worship together.